0: Some people come in the company and you have to tell them, yeah, it doesn't really matter what you say so much. It's what other people say about you that matters. That kind of works in, in the way we operate. So that's something I appreciate. And, and really most of the leadership development I got was, was telling me to get people to do things when they had no reason to do so.
1: The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Only Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. Before I introduce this week's guest, wanted to ask everyone to support the show, as I do every episode, by just leaving a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Appreciate everyone. I'm sitting here this afternoon with returning guests, David Reed, Chief Marketing Officer and now Chief Technology Officer at NOV. How's it going, David?
0: How have you been? Fabulous. Couldn't be better. It's <laughs> all a lie, but you know, what can you do? Let's say good yeah, things.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hmm, there's a hint of sarcasm there. A
0: little bit, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. But it's okay.
2: <laughs> so we're kind of doing a little something different than the norm. So if you're actually interested in how David got started in the oil and gas industry, please check out the link in the show notes to access episode 31. That was so, a long,
0: um, deep was- dig.
2: Yeah, yeah, my
0: past, but it's over now.
2: <laughs> it was pretty fun. That's back when we did interviews in, in person. Yeah, so, those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. So David, let's discuss your new role with NOV as Chief Technology Officer.
0: Well, I already was a dabbler in all sorts of technology, so it wasn't as weird as it sounds. A lot of people ask me, you know are those roles in tension with the chief marketing and and chief technology officer but a lot of the work i've done was always playing in the technology side on the future side of our business as to what technology should we be developing and why and that kind of long-term view always always fit into how i was wired so a lot of a lot of the technology that we've come up with i was around and involved and very early when we were kind of projecting what we should work on so so i kind of had that natural fit so when my boss kind of threw it in the previous cto was like okay i'm out this is tough times and i'd rather do other things to mm-hmm. which i said to my boss you didn't offer me that i would maybe I went out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i went out you didn't start the conversation that way you know and he said well tough luck <laughs> but i mean it was really i was really excited about it honestly i i really enjoy the technology side I think since the day it changed, I've continued to enjoy it. And we have a fantastic R and D center up in Navasota. So it's it's like playtime for me. I mean, we're <laughs> we're doing a lot of fun things. Some of course can't talk about, but right. It's great to be closer to it. And and in COVID times, I mean all, all our operations are still been operating. So we've continued to keep plants open and, and the drilling rig we run up there has been going and some oh, of the, that's great! Some of the production equipment stopped for a while, but we're back on now. Oh, good! It's great to be drilling wells. I I'm honestly have just enjoyed it way too much, and I kind of, as much as I geek out about that, my my boss and the the CFO also have, you know, an obsession with with the technical side of what we do. So I definitely share too much. I mean, they were getting the daily reports in the last well and jumping in on with their ideas on well <laughs> design. <laughs> because, you know, I don't know if that's a good idea, but we all enjoy it. We enjoy the, they enjoyed the, I mean, it was a kind of a pushing the edge of something we were trying to discover. And so everybody was getting the live feed from the, from the rig. And so it's good. We we all enjoy it. I think, I think that's a part of our business as well as that, that connectedness to, to technology.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's great to see that everything's starting to, activity starting to Start again. Yeah. And the and the rig counts up and yep. It's just great.
0: It's starting for sure. We just we need some more of that money stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that green and stuff. Certainly, yeah. certainly
0: would help a lot. But um, uh, but I, I will say I'm very proud of NOV for just sticking with it with most of the new technology that would make a difference. They they did not let back. So that's been a fun part. It would be a terrible job to get where they go, Okay, you're chief technology officer, we can't afford it. So just <laughs> yeah, hold on I one guess day, that- we'll do it. <laughs> Oh <laughs> one day. Yeah. All
2: right, so now that we've caught up on your career, let's talk about what leadership
0: means to you. Gosh. That's a big subject, isn't it? It is. I think for me it all begins with how you how you were led because you kind of some of it's in you and some of it you observe and I, I really had some great leadership that I got to observe over the years. Particularly very people-focused leadership. So they were not, not just saying, this is where we're all going, everyone follow me, but, but people who really got in the trenches and communicated and, and lived it out. You got to see forms of leadership where it wasn't just said, it was actually acted out and you, you saw it was real. And so that was good for me because I got tons of good mentoring. I think being mentored really helps you when you're trying to lead others is you kind of know the method of how to really genuinely share who you are to get people to go somewhere because trust trust is foundational in leadership right so you have to who you are and I kind of like that that's very very important in our company is who you are it's not really who you say you are that matters so much
2: yeah that makes sense yeah the yeah. actions speak louder than words,
0: yeah, and I think some people come in the company and you' you have to tell them yeah, it doesn't really matter what you say so much. it's what other people say about you that matters. that kind of works in in the way we operate, so that's something I appreciate and and really, most of the leadership development I got was was telling me to get people to do things when they had no reason to do so, so how do you influence people? And that that ends up back in the in the trust side is they need to know that you know what you're talking about, but they also need to know you have a vision. People want to be led, but they don't want to be led by idiots. It turns out, <laughs> so it's better yeah. to just <laughs> it's better just admit it up front that you're a bit of an idiot, but you're not totally stupid. You know, it works out quite well. <laughs> they need that reality, so so I think that's important. I think kind of genuinely giving Give the people malarkey. Yeah, and knowing what you're not, you know, because it's that's the hardest part of leading is is not interfering because you think you might know something.
2: I guess that falls into self awareness, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. It's a lot to do with teaching people that. I know when I've I've had eras of teaching leaders in the company, a lot of that ends up in in self awareness and understanding that life is trying to teach you a lot of things, and most people aren't listening. Mm-hmm. So it's that paying paying attention to the signals and the people who are close to you who can tell you you know the truth.
2: Yeah, yeah, and being able to take that truth right.
0: Yeah, that's an ongoing challenge for all human beings.
2: Yeah, because that pride gets in the way
0: sometimes. Yeah, well, we don't we don't like it. I mean, it, it's it's got to be a balance. You've got to understand what you're good at and what you're not good at, and take feedback. And I don't think it's ever ended for me anyway. So it's a it's an ongoing learning, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy that part of leading others and helping people to become aware of you know how to lead others and how to get that right and knowing what you're good at. For me, understanding what I have to offer and what I don't have to offer, which that's the hard part where something I'm really bad at. I had an experience lately where I was just like, gosh man, this sucks. And I had to tell my team, because my team had had not quite got something right, but I didn't catch it. And there's no way I was going to catch it because it was way in my weak zone. And I just said, this is why I struggle with this because it (laughs) makes me feel really stupid. And I hate that feeling. So, you know, it's just really been open as you go through things and understand. So I had to tell people, listen, this isn't going to get better for me. You know, I'm not going to improve in this area. I've had a a long career of learning what I'm good and bad at. I think once you get there, it's a lot better than, you know, in the things you do when you just try and, get team members who can cover your weakness
2: yeah yeah absolutely so how does that also fall into your personal life
0: it's no different it's the same it's the same stuff actually i mean most of my leading of others is, is it it has a lot to do with your personal life it's all to do with how you are who you are at home is where all the lessons are and some people don't want to face that in fact a lot of people work really hard just to hide from the facts of what you know how you are at home and so a lot of a lot of the lessons are in there. Even how you grew up. I'll often call my brothers or, or my sister and have a, you know, conversation. Maybe that's being older, I don't know. About about our personalities and how they don't work. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And when they don't, my siblings don't want to hear it, but they're the only people who really know that we grew up this way. Some of the stuff we thought was good and it maybe wasn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. So here at OGGN, giving back is kind of woven into our culture. So how is giving back important to you, David?
0: Well, it is a culture thing. I think it's a foundation that you need to understand is that you're, especially when you get, when, when things work out in life, there is purpose to it. So I think some people may do it just to look like they're doing something good. But but I think giving back, it's just healthy for humans, especially when you have. Everyone has something to give back. We try and drive it kind of in the company. You won't see a lot of posts about the things we do in the company, giving back to the community inside of NOV, mostly because we want to do it as a person development thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just good for people when you realize I have, but I also have for purpose and I can do something with what I have. Yeah. And I definitely understand
2: that. I'm a giver. That's just my nature. That's,
0: yeah. So I think everyone is inside. It's just teaching them you know, to build that into your lifestyle. Yeah. Even at your most busy times, you've got small kids and everything seems too busy. But if you're going to lead well, you've got to have that built into you. It's that understanding of the best leadership serves the people that you know sees its whole whole purpose around serving people and and that nature is critical i think it's where a lot of the lessons are i mean a lot of i think as my kids got older and we had more time in our hands i, I started picking up more on the giving up giving back side which i didn't think that's what i would do but i've ended up starting organizations just cuz i saw a need and i knew i could actually solve the need
2: Well, speaking of organizations, let's talk a little bit about Red M.
0: Sure. I think as my kids were getting older, I think we were hitting later teens, and I'd asked my wife, Beth, I'd said, you know, who are we going to be when they're gone? Which, you know, she's a bit more American than I am Scottish, (laughs) because 17, go get a job, you know? So I'm I'm a bit different to her, you know, 30, maybe you should get a job. So I was kind of pushing for, let's cause that natural separation to be good, And she's the one who came back and kind of said, well, I think we're supposed to be fighting human trafficking. I had no clue what that was, but I'm like, whatever you want, you know, let's look at it. And then she started doing some things that I didn't quite grasp what it was, but it was really undercover work in Houston. So that was something I didn't fully understand until she said one day she was going to pick up a client at the airport and there would be a police escort. And I was like, what for? And it turns out I had no clue how dangerous human trafficking was, and the darkness of the people surrounding it. And the good news is that same person she went to pick up ten years ago today, her trafficker went down for life. Wow, so that was a big, big thing. But it took ten years is the bad news. But it was a great. She was, she was. But it, it actually takes someone who's been trafficked quite a bit of time to recover. So I think most people don't understand the psychological damage. It's like someone's been in a cult and at the same time being deeply abused. And now you have to try and repair, you know, that psychological damage. So the amount of time they're in, often it takes at least that to recover them. So so it just takes time before if, because there was other young girls, it was all underage girls, and there was four of them in court, and they have to face their trafficker, which is a U.S. thing that isn't, doesn't happen in other countries. <sighs> But they have to face them. And this is someone who is like, as imagine having to face a cult leader, you know? Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. So if it wasn't for her recovery, which she was ahead of all the others, she wouldn't have been able to stand there and do it. I had a really nice moment where one of the jurors happened to be an ex-NOV employee who called me and he said, we just took this guy down. And I said, well, the funny thing, one of the ladies, the strongest of the ladies is living with us right now. She's in time for the case. And it was just this bizarre connection. Now he and his wife work in Red M. Oh, wow. So anyway, the, the Red M story really, really happened when my wife was ended up being on the board of an organization called Redeemed, which is how we met this young lady. She served on that for a number of years. And then w- she kept saying, I should do it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't, I'm I'm busy. And then one year, I think I got to know the leaders of the organization a bit better. And they said, we'd really like you to come on. So I came on the board and day one, Became really clear how expensive it is. I mean, it's a lot of money to help recover these women. It's like intensive care for at least a year, if not a year and a half or two years. So I saw the expense, and then I just saw that their marketing was really, really bad. I think I've said it enough in public that I'm not embarrassing them, but they, they were—they're <laughs> just not gifted. Yeah, <laughs> for communicating how how amazing they are. They do incredible work. And if you, I mean, we had one of the ladies who was a part of Red M for about a year and a half. She was living with us. We did a video for the gala. I think you were at the gala. Yeah, I was. Well, she she was terrified when we did that. But but she told the film crew, she said to me, you know, my daughter's willing to speak and my mother's willing to speak on camera. And then she said, Well, you, you know, what do you think? And I said, Well, I'll I'll tell the film crew. And she said, No, no, I'll go tell them. So she sat with them and told them, and when they realized she had been trafficked, blew their minds because everyone had been around her. And, you know, once you do proper recovery You can't tell the difference, you know. So it's inside of their head. What's what's gone on? But she just got engaged, which is great.
1: Great Oh, good for her.
0: Yeah, it was a very moving video on Friday. So as I after the board meeting, I just the next day put a post on LinkedIn, and within 24 hours, I think the numbers are over 50,000 people had viewed my request for help. And someone from work called me that day and said we're going to need to do an event. And we five days in we had an event at a coffee shop in town called a second cup mm-hmm. which was a anti-trafficking kind of supporting coffee shop and they gave us space and we had about 50 people turn up i kind of wrote the words of just different departments of marketing on the tables asked people to sit at those tables had redeemed speak Then i said okay team i want you all to look at in your tables how you could help this organization and stickies they all did stickies and then they kind of did a Presentation and each of them kind of presented how they would, you know, help the organization. And I told everyone who spoke, "You are now in charge of that department, and we'll meet again in a month and let's see what we can do." And that happened all year, so we met for a year every month.
2: Yeah, that was a couple of years ago, huh?
0: Yeah, basically that Keep Houston Free gala that you were at. A lot of that work was the work of that organization.
2: It was wonderful. It was a, it was beautiful. Very
0: well done, wasn't it? There was there was a lot went into it. There was an incredibly talented team, which has been the fun part of Red M. So it's gone on from then. So we're three years in now. We just did a summit that is like a large event that got a good stage and got to do some videos of different speakers who we've been connected with over time. We've been doing Red Talks down at AWS's building. They gave us space and we did a quarterly talk with kind of social time. We took all of those different speakers and put them on a stage and, and created some great content from it. And I think next up we're doing golf for good on February twenty-second at the Royal Oaks Country Club.
2: Yep. And I have the link in the show notes for anybody that's interested in signing up for it.
0: Yeah. That's going to be a nice kind of high-end event for kind of executives and and companies. So if you're if you've got a company that needs to reach high-end executives or you have someone in your company or you are one, then yeah, please, please join in. That's going to be a good Good event. We're trying different things. Basically, we always try different things. We look at right. different models to get to different people. This just seemed like this the kind of golfing country club crowd would be a good a good place to have a have a great event and and try and share the message.
2: Yeah. And kind of to backtrack a little bit, I think maybe some of our audience may have trouble empathizing doing to due to lack of awareness of what mm. a day in a, in the life of one of these young Women or men, or actually, I say young, but I mean, I really should say girls and boys. I mean,
0: girls and boys, and actually, I mean, we've had a sixty-year-old come through the program. Oh, wow! And the mistake people make is they assume they come from hard environments, and and they don't necessarily. The modern method. I mean, Houston's a hub, which you know, that's that's something we've we've kind of accepted that it's always it's been growing, growing. What has changed in Houston is the target. Young person that they they try and get over into the life the way the way it happens is usually young kids that they will target because they're vulnerable and with the use right. of social media and well mostly social media I think for understanding where they're from they'll spend a year really coaxing them into what looks like a relationship and they'll go then they'll separate them from their family so they begin to slowly it looks like a runaway. Or some kid who's having a having a problem, they move into that life, and the whole thing is is an incredibly psychological and thought out process that feels to the individual and to the family involved like just something is happening that you know the kids not is having a, a bad time as a teenager. That's been a large portion. So probably we we estimate over seventy five percent of those trafficked in Houston are American born kids, which is one of the misconceptions that there, there's international trafficking, which there is, but this shift has become more to do with the, the vulnerability. And we, we've we had a few now executives have their kids lured and, and groomed and, and taken. Wow, And that probably caused oil and gas to get more involved as those things happened, as people started to see. And I mean, the laws have changed a little bit in our favor lately, but we were getting Covert operations going to try and recover kids with former SEALs and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot that's going on in that space.
2: Yeah, I have seen a lot of busts lately.
0: Well, and I will say we when we did, they had the one in Katy. I don't know if you saw Cinco Ranch bust that happened. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were doing the summit. And one of the speakers in the summit was involved in that bust. And so we actually had Im- you know, photographs of the traffickers who would want her out. Oh, my gosh. She's probably 17 years doing recovery. And so she goes in and takes on these, these criminals. And so she's probably the most wanted person in the trafficking world. So her security was really intense. But that was actually partly her who was involved in that particular bust. So, yeah, the Houston's done a, a pretty good job. Of responding, we have the local government here has started the task force, and although it was it was very frustrating at first when we started, it's really a lot better now. There are people who are dedicated to to take these things on, and yeah, there's some there's some good networks. But really, what what Red M has done is taken that extreme environment and given professionals a way of being involved without getting too close. I think a lot of people appreciate that, is being able to serve. With their talents. And that's really what we do is we assess what have you got to offer. And then we place you with a need in an organization It works like a project. And then when you're done, you can let us know, are you, are you up for more? Or are you not? Do you want to do something different? Which one of the things that happens with organizations is that when you start working for them, you kind of get trapped and you're in there for years until you burn out. So this gives people a chance to really live their life and and create some separation. Some people on the team will just say, I'm all red M. Like I I don't I don't want to get too close to the organizations. I will help with the Red M work. And other people are I want to get close to it. And okay, well we'll we'll place them closer to the organization. Some stay along with the organization, but most get to move around, which takes away that guilt challenge where you'll you'll overload your life. So we we try and balance people and how they give back. There's plenty of horror stories if you want to learn more about it. But generally, it's really knowing it's there and doing something that we try to do, try find ways for people to get involved, do something, but not really have to jump into the, into the fray.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable.
0: So what does it take to help them recover? It's a process. Most of what I'm used to is the American women. Generally, most people, if you just rescue people tomorrow, you take them out and you put them into a shelter, you've got about 80% chance that they're going back. So they're pre-programmed to go back. They're pre-programmed not to trust anybody. They call us squares. Anybody who's not in the life is, and then they also make sure they have experiences, sometimes real, sometimes not, of the police force so that they can understand that they aren't on their side. They try to make sure they don't have any skills to live. That's why younger is a, is a better target for them because they can create barriers to return. They try to make sure they have a police record so they can't work. And so there's, there's all of that to undo. There's the trust to work through. Sometimes there's, there's drug issues and most of what I've dealt with is not in that space. But there are definitely alcohol and coping things that they've learned on the journey. And so the work is to start really help them to become aware and to understand what's happened to them. Most of them do not self-identify as trafficked. And Part of the psychological work is to make sure they feel like they did this to themselves or they chose it. So they try and actually make those experiences happen. And you have to walk them through actually knowing each other and hearing the same story because it's all identical. And it takes them a while to understand that was not my boyfriend. So you have to kind of work them through that, and then you have to develop life skills And a lot of it is trying to just take the programming out of them that's happened, you know, so all of that self-view. So there's there's psychological stuff they have to do. There's personal stuff they have to do. And in the process, they have to develop life skills. And and one of the challenges is the things that drew them in, which is acceptance and love. And, you know, the idea of money, which even though they never received any of it, they kind of have this drive. So the idea of a life where you can work at Starbucks It's a challenge and getting them to to just save up. So we actually have a a business that we run inside of the redeemed house called uh, Sparrow House Botanicals. So they make product and they learn to try and learn some business. We try and give them skills so they have options. And then it's just a long process of recovery. All I know is from, I mean, I've watched that process. And definitely I know when I have visited the house we have here in Houston, The ones who've been there a while, you can't tell the difference between the staff and the ones who've been there a while, but those who are new, you can tell because they just don't trust any human beings.
2: It's like having a tail between your legs, sort of.
0: It's a lot scarier looking. They've been in a very, very tough environment. And so when we've had women live with us, it just takes time for them to socialize even, to be in crowds. They generally don't trust anyone because there's such a range of society they see as clients. Um, that they just lose trust altogether in society. So, yeah, it's a journey, but it's worth seeing. I mean, when as it progresses, I'm thinking of one lady who, you know, she would stand up against a wall and then she wouldn't come downstairs first and then she would, you know, stay away from everyone slowly, but surely she built relationships. But she didn't want anyone to know, of course, where, where she's been. There's a lot to deal with. It's a ton of working through trauma.
2: That's a lot of trauma.
0: It's a lot I mean I'm trying not to be too graphic, but each event works like a rape, yeah, so if you sense. can imagine that's happening you know ten or fifteen times a day for days on end, you know sometimes months, sometimes years. It's just a lot of destruction, so yeah, it's a heavy subject, but at the end of the day, the recovery is a wonderful and beautiful thing absolutely I mean, it's nice this week we've we've had that yesterday, I heard that it was life for the guy who'd been sentenced. And to see, you know, on Friday, a video from this young lady who's getting married. And those are things they could never have imagined or thought of. And so it's incredibly hopeful and wonderful. It just takes time and money. And so in my world, I'm looking at, we know people with money, you know, right? these guys have time and skill. Everything they're doing is kind of new because it's a new science, how how to recover these people. And so we have some of the best experts in town, which is great. And most people in the, in the anti-trafficking world want to do awareness. They want to tell stories. They want to support, you know, try and help people escape, all those kind of things, which there are things around to help them, but that's not as expensive as the recovery. So that's kind of why we focus on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm providing everyone with links if you want to sign up for the Good for Golf thing on the
0: 22nd. of February.
2: Yeah. At the Royal Oaks Country Club. Links are in the show notes. What if people just want to donate?
0: They can. Yeah, they can donate. One of the nice things to do is donate a game for someone to go, which is which is good. You can pay for someone. You can straight donate at RedeemedTX. So if you go to RedeemedTX.com, you can go directly to there. And probably in a month, we'll have Red M up as a 501c3. Yeah, that takes some time. Well, we've been we've been avoiding it just because I oh. like the idea of the money going straight to organizations and not having something in the middle. But just yeah. logistically, we're at the point where we have, you know, I think we have seven projects going on. And I, I think we have, we're, I don't know, at least 100 people who've done work or are doing work inside of Red M. So there's a lot going on. And hopefully going on in other, we're starting to work with other cities. We have someone in India working with us. And I was talking with people in Holland, and we're doing a job in London right now. So there's things going on everywhere.
2: Good, good. I'm so glad that that you got involved in this, and thank you for making everyone aware. I hope some people will give back. And
0: yeah, it's and not help. an easy subject, but I, but I think it's something we are living with more slavery in the world today than we have seen in the, in the history of our planet. So that's kind of shocking stuff, and, and understanding that, I think in. Twenty sixteen, the numbers for for Texas that were assessed by UT and the governor's office, they came up with around, I think it was about three hundred and fourteen thousand people being trafficked in in Texas. Wow! So just in Texas. Just, just Texas. And so when you get to those numbers, it's going on, and there's a lot of it. And so there's, we should be shocked, and we should do something. And so it's just an opportunity to find find a way for people to do something. And so I I've, I feel like. I enjoy it. The community is great inside the organization. Everyone likes working together and we're we're doing something. We always call it professionals with purpose, you know? Yeah, that's a very good way of putting that. Mm. So we try and make it small efforts with big impact. That's kind of our slogan. Everyone gets to do a little bit together. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing and, and joining me today. Like I said, I've got all the links in the show notes for everybody to get. If people want to reach out to you and or get... To know more about NOV and RedM, how can they go about doing that?
0: LinkedIn is pretty easy. You can reach me at LinkedIn under NOV. That's probably enough.
2: (laughs) All right. Perfect. All right. That concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door.
1: Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.